Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you took the time to listen to this message. You're listening to part three in our series called This Means War. Whatever you do and wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. So as I was saying, a few weeks ago, uh, we took what we called uh, a hope offering. It was our year-end offering. We have a tradition as a church um, where we come together and we take a, year, a year-end uh, offering. And what we do is that we come together and we say, what we're going to sow in this moment, God is going to use to do amazing things. God is going to use to do abundantly more, exceedingly more. Come on, immeasurably more. I need... Now, now listen, 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 listen. If, if you're in this place and you're not standing up, I need you to stand. If you're in this place and your spirit is not standing, I need your spirit to stand. Because what you need to understand is that in 2019, uh, God did an amazing thing with our year-end offering. And we were just blown away. And we were like, oh my gosh, this is the epitome. I can't believe that God would do something so amazing. Well, guess what? He's done it again. Come on, somebody. And so... I'm so excited to share with you guys the total number from our year-end offering, our hope offering, and you need to understand that this money helps us to do ministry, this money helps us to reach people, it helps us to alleviate poverty, it helps us to just love our community. Is there anyone that's ready to know Hope 2020? Worship team, are you guys ready to go? I needed to get loud up in here. Hope 2020, our offering was $62,762. Come on, somebody, let's give Jesus praise in this place. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the church said, amen. Man, Jesus is so good. I said $62,000, to be precise. Uh, so amazing. So listen, every single person that sewed into that offering online in the building. And what I love about God uh, is our hope offering in person, um, it came right before there was restrictions. And so it was like one of the lowest services we've had. And so there's like no people here and we're like, what's it going to look like? But God's not bound to time and space. God's not bound to a building. And so, um, man, I'm just so excited for what we're going to be able to do this next year. And I thank you guys for sowing into that. Um, And so, hey, if you guys can continue to stand, I want to read a passage of scripture uh, to get us going this morning. I hope my voice stays because I gave a mighty shout to the Lord there. Um, First Peter chapter three, verse eight, it says this, it says, finally, All of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you are called so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil, their lips from deceitful speech, and they must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. They must seek peace and pursue it. I want to call our message this morning, The Path to Peace. The Path to Peace. You can clap your hands. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much uh, for being here. Thank you so much. Hey, can we give the worship team a round of applause? Um, So awesome. Man, we're just so glad 
you guys could be here. My name's Harrison. I'm the pastor here. And uh, hey, uh, we're in the midst of a series called This Means War, How to Win the Battle Within. And so can you guys let me know, has anyone been here for any part of this series, heard anything online? Online, I'd love to hear you guys as well. Uh, hey, we're just believing that this series is not just words, but we believe that this, the, this stuff that we're doing can actually change our minds, penetrate our hearts. And so I believe if you guys just stick with me for the next like 30 to 40 minutes. We'll see how it goes. Um, I believe that God's going to do something um, amazing. And so one thing that we've said in this series is that we said our minds are so powerful. Our brains are so powerful. And we said that the Bible tells us our minds are powerful. Science tells us our minds are powerful. Um, I don't feel like I need to convince you guys. Like you guys already know the brain has power. Uh, But it's really cool because we have uh, twin baby girls. And so they're... um, just over a year old, and so it's really cool because we get to see up close and personal, um, like just the development of the mind, like how the brain begins to develop, and it's just so cool because like our brains are like little sponges, and I just can see how they develop, and so um, very specifically, uh, right now, uh, our daughter, Kensley, um, she has learned something uh, that's really cute. She's learned how to say please, and so um, not only does she say please, um, but she also signs it as well. And so um, I'm going to show you guys exactly what she does. But first, I need to preface this. In case you do not know, we now have a 930 service. And I did this at the 930 service. And my wife very quickly, instead of encouraging me, said, hey, don't do the impression again. Um, she said, not cute. And I said, guess what? I'm doing it again. Because I need to know what our daughter does. And so if you don't think it's cute, at least imagine that it's cute. And so she's learned to say please, and she learns to sign it. And so the only thing is, like, she obviously doesn't speak perfect English quite yet. And so she just goes like this. She goes, please, please, please. It's kind of cute, right? (laughs) Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Um, And so it's really good. She goes, please, please. And so she does it, like, whenever she wants something, right? And so, like, it's it's good because, like, if she wants her bottle, um, we know that she wants her bottle. Uh, If she wants to watch Daniel Tiger, she does it for Daniel Tiger. All of these things. The only issue is what we found um, is that there's really no filter in terms of what she wants, right? And so um, she says it, and, and, and the issue is when she says it, it's really cute. Because like, she comes towards me. I gave you guys my best impression, but not only her voice, but like her little waddle, like she waddles <laughs> towards you. And she has like four little teeth, and it's just so cute. And she comes up, and, and she knows me, and she knows that I'm weak. And so she really comes, and she'll actually put her, her, her whole body on my leg and dig her head in uh, when she wants something. Now, it's fine when, like, she wants, like, something good for her. It's not so fine when she wants something bad for her. And so she doesn't know the difference between, like, an apple or an exacto knife. And so if she sees it, she's just like, please, <laughs> like, please. And, and so it's, it's really hard to say no. And so Christy, it was so funny this last week we were talking, um, and Christy's like, man, like, I almost wish that uh, I didn't teach her how to say please because, like, it's just so cute. And, like, how do you say no? How do you break this little girl's heart? Now, you need to understand, because we're parents, sometimes we do break her heart. But the point is, uh, it's very difficult because she's so cute. And so it's funny because I've just seen up close and personal how her mind develops. And what I've seen is that very quickly, our brains create pathways, right? And so very quickly, her brain has created a pathway that shows her, if I say please, I will get what I want. And so it's really cool as I see that, as I see the brain developing. I'm like, wow, the brain is so powerful. 
But one thing I've also seen is that for as powerful as our brains are, our brains are also feeble. They're also weak. They also have some, some, some downfalls, some shortfalls. And so it's really interesting because what I've seen is that very quickly, Kensley has developed pathways in her mind that show her this is how I get what I want. But she hasn't quite yet developed pathways to show her this is what I actually need. I need us to follow this because I think for adults and, and, and babies alike, our brains are kind of similar. I think our brains develop pathways, and they develop pathways very quickly to show us and to tell us and to help us get what we want. The issue is a lot of times we have pathways created in our brain to help us get what we want, but we don't always actually get what we need. The brain is powerful, but it's also feeble. It's also weak. And so we're in this series talking about how do I win the battle within? How do I change my mind? You see, I think one of the reasons that for so many of us, we struggle with the battle, we struggle with the war within us, is because we've created this narrative. And this narrative says, the reason that I am the way I am is because I have always been this way. I, I was just born this way. I've always been short-tempered. I've always, been, I've always had a, a poor picture of myself. This is just how I've always been. But, but what I realize is like, I don't actually think a lot of times in life people are born a certain way. I think more likely you were formed that way. And what I mean by that is that you've created a pathway and you've created a pattern in order that has caused you to think a certain way, to act a certain way, to behave a certain way. And so what I want us to understand is that as powerful as our mind is, because our mind can actually begin to form us, reshape us in order to get us to think this is who we are. That's the power of the mind. But what I want us to understand is the mind also has downfalls. For as powerful it is, it's still weak. And so I think for a lot of us, the reason that we are the way we are in the negative is because we have pathways and we have patterns that have caused us to become like this. Now, for a lot of us, the pathway and the pattern become so deeply ingrained in us, we actually believe it's in our DNA. We actually believe this is who we are. But I think what I want us to understand this morning is that although for a lot of us, maybe you have deeply ingrained pathways in you, the fact that it's a pathway is actually a positive. Because what that means is if I've created this, even if I created it at a very, very young age, even if it was before I could remember, if it's a pathway, what that means is if I create a new pathway, I can actually begin to change the way I think. I can begin to change the way I believe. And so this morning, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about the path to peace. The path to peace. You see, for, I, I think for so many of us, we long after peace. We long after joy. We want to be secure. We want to live the life that God has called us to live. The problem is that peace doesn't seem like it's actually a possibility. Peace just seems like some distant utopian picture. But I'm here to tell you that I actually believe peace is just a pathway. And so this morning, I want to show us the pathway to peace. But before I can do that, I need to know, is there anyone ready to go this morning? Come on. And so what I want to do, I want to read a passage of scripture found in, in 1 Peter. Um, but I'll give you guys a little context of the person, Peter, and the book that he wrote. And so Peter, for those of you guys that do not know, uh, Peter was a disciple of Jesus. Now, for a lot of people, when they hear that Peter was a disciple of Jesus, um, it can kind of create this barrier. Because it's like, oh, Peter, like, 
he followed Jesus, and so the things that he said, like, he's so much greater than I am. That's St. Peter. But the reason that I love Peter is because when I read the gospel stories, um, I see a Peter that is a far picture from perfection. And I see a Peter, I'm giving myself all these tongue twisters, I see a Peter that is a far picture um, from peace at times. Because I see a Peter that is erratic, that he speaks without thinking. I see a Peter that has great faith, but then I see a Peter that has no faith. I, I, I see a Peter that is calm, cool, collective, but also like erratic. And so there's a story like where, where Jesus is getting arrested. Um, he's been betrayed. He's about to be crucified. And what happens is Peter pulls out a sword and he slices the guy's ear off. And he's like, don't touch my savior. Um, and, and it's funny because the reason that it's kind of interesting is because I think that mirrors the human experience. Because Jesus says things like love one another. Uh, do not return uh, violence with violence. Uh, turn the other cheek. And instead, Peter pulls out a sword. And so I think we all know this to be true. There are times where it's like, I know what I'm supposed to do. This is what I actually do. And so Peter at times is a picture of that. And he's a picture at many times, I think, of someone that follows his emotions. He just follows what he feels. But what we read in the book of 1 Peter is a much different version of Peter. This is an older Peter, a more mature Peter. And Peter gives us a pathway to peace. And the reason I think his pathway to peace and what he says is so powerful is because of who Peter actually is and was. It shows us that I'm not a slave to who I always was. I'm not a slave to how I think, how I act, or I react. I actually have control. And so this book, we're going to be in chapter 3 for the most part, but I want to go to 1 Peter chapter 1 because I want to set a little context as we get going. This is what he says, 1 Peter chapter 1. It says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, I am writing this letter to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, this is his, his introduction, and it doesn't seem like much, but it actually sets the backdrop for everything we're going to read and the audience that he's writing to. Now, there's a very literal audience that he's writing to. He's writing to the, the Christians that are scattered in these countries. And so literally speaking, these are people that no longer live in their homeland. They're in a foreign land. They're strangers in the land that they live. Now, that's the literal context that Peter's writing to, but there's also a spiritual context and a metaphorical context. Because literally who he's writing to is the saints that are scattered, the foreigners, the people that are different. Now you need to understand, if you follow Jesus, you will be different. If you follow Jesus, you will be a stranger in the land. Because you need to understand this, to follow Jesus is countercultural. It's different. And I, I would argue if you look exactly like your coworkers, everyone around you, your, your friends, your, I, would offer perhaps, I, would off, I would say perhaps you're not actually following Jesus. Because to follow Jesus is to look different. It's to look different than culture. It's to be countercultural. I'll tell you this. Peace is countercultural. Joy is countercultural. To, to love is different. Listen, listen. Peace in the midst of a pandemic is countercultural. But I actually believe that when you follow Jesus, we can have all of the above. And so that's who he's writing to us. I need you to understand this. As we journey this path to peace, you need to understand peace will make you different. It should make you stand out. You will be scattered. And so that's the context. And so 1 Peter chapter 3, where I want to be specifically, he now gives us the pathway to peace. He says this. He says, finally, all of you be like-minded be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. This is the path to peace. Now, we're going to look at sympathetic, love, compassion, all that good stuff, but I want to start here. He says, all of you 
be like-minded. Literally, be of one mind. Now, the question is, who is the mind? What mind should we be as one of? Now, the context gives us the answer, but it's so simple. Basically, what Peter is saying, he's saying we should have the mind of Christ. We should think like Jesus. We should be like Jesus. So here's the very first point. I want us to understand this. In order to have peace, I must have the mind of Christ. In order to have peace, I must have the mind of Christ. That means I must think like Jesus. I must act like Jesus. I must walk in the way. I must have the mind of Christ. Now, I'm going to explain what this means as we go along, but I want us to understand the two major implications when Peter says, have the mind of Christ. Now, the first implication is this. If I am to have the mind of Christ, if I am to think not as myself but as as of Christ, what that means is that I have the power to think different. My mind can actually change. Now, I need us to understand this because for so many of us, we think I am just the way I am. There is no change. There is no escape. My thought patterns will always be these thought patterns. But by saying have the mind of Christ, it is actually a way to say you are not a slave to how you think. You are not a slave in your mind. There is another way. That's the first thing. But here's the second thing and the thing I really want to dig into. If Peter says have the mind of Christ, think like Jesus, guess what? That means that the way you think is more often than not wrong. Is everyone following? That means my mind, my thought pattern, it is often wrong. So I need to have the mind of Christ. Now, I'll tell you why this is countercultural. The reason it's countercultural is because we live in the world of the bachelor. And the prophet Chris Harrison, you guys know what I'm talking about? And there's one central theme, it's follow your heart. Right? How do I live? Just follow your heart. You know, wherever your emotions go. And maybe you've never watched The Bachelor and you're a liar, but um, (laughs) the truth is, whether you have watched it or not, um, a lot of us live with a similar mindset. It says, whatever you feel, just do it. Just, just, Just go and do it. Just follow your heart. Maybe you guys have heard this one. I just need to follow my my heart. I just need to be the most authentic version of me. You guys heard that one? You know, 2021, I'm just going to be the most authentic version of me. That's my resolve this year. I'm going to just be me. Well, guess what? If Peter says, have the mind of Christ, you know what that tells me? Perhaps the most, most authentic version of me is not actually the best version of me. Perhaps... There's something else. And maybe this is why the Bible says that we need to die to ourselves. Because the version of me, my emotions, the way that they lead me, the pathways that I've created, what if they were wrong? What if they were lies? And so Peter says, let's, let's, let's go to something higher. Let's have the mind of Christ. Now, I think that maybe you guys have heard... Um, this philosophical saying, um, and in the context of the original saying, it has nothing to do with what I'm talking about here. Um, but I want, I want to say it. Um, but the saying goes, I think, therefore I am. Have you guys heard that before? Yeah. Again, if you understand what he's talking about, nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But I think there's something when we take it very literally, I think, therefore I am. For a lot of us, this is actually our life statement. We don't even know it. I think, Therefore, I am. And so what that means is whatever I feel inside is how I must react. Wherever my emotions are leading me is how I am supposed to respond. I think, therefore, I am. 
But what I want us to understand, and I want us to write this down if you're taking notes, and I want this to be your life statement for 2021, not I'm going to be my true authentic self. I want you to write, if I can have the mind of Christ, what that means is I have a choice. I have a choice. It is not I think, therefore I am. It is I have a choice for how I'm going to think. I have a choice for how I'm going to respond to the thoughts in my head. I have a choice. Listen, to have the mind of Christ is actually a declaration of freedom. It's a declaration of freedom that says, I'm not a slave to my thoughts. I'm not a slave to the way that I think. I'm not a slave to these thought patterns. I can actually change. And so I want you to understand this because we're far too many of us. We look around. It's like, man, this world just sucks. Everything around me is the worst. I can't stand this. Get, get this, get this. The world that you live in is the world that you create. You will always live in the world that you create. And so what that means is I actually have the power to choose the world that I live in. And the truth is when I follow my feelings, I just become a slave to what I feel. And therefore, my feelings determine the world that I live in, not me. But there's another way. Now, I'll kind of demonstrate it like this, and this is a little bit of a longer train of thought, but um, I was on social media a few weeks ago um, and can't stand social media because it gets me really angry, yet I still go on it, so pray for me. Um, And I read something that someone shared, um, and I thought it was the most stupid thing I've ever read in my entire life. Um, And so I have the pleasure of sharing with you guys now. Um, And and the reason, as I read it, um, I'll kind of explain it, but the reason uh, that I thought it was really dumb is because everything I'm about to read, the person that shared it and the thousands that shared it, they were dead serious um, as they shared this statement. But I'm going to show how this relates to the idea of choice. It says this. uh, This was the post uh, with thousands of shares. I don't know who these people were. Adults don't eat food that they don't like. But for some reason... We're supposed to hold kids to a different standard. Just like when we tell them they can't have bad days or off days. People need to stop spoiling children and start respecting them as fellow people. Now, perhaps you're like, yes. <laughs> That's true. People, kids are people as well. Um, but the reason that <laughs> I thought this was um, so interesting is because the essence of what they're saying is this. I'll, I'll break it down. And there's actually some some interesting things you can take from this. Basically what he's saying is us as adults, we live a life that is dominated by what we feel. And so therefore we eat what we feel, we act what we feel, and we just live in that way. If I'm having an off day, I'll go sit in bed for 13 hours and watch Netflix. Why? Because that's what I think I should do. It's a me day. Don't talk to me. that's That's just what I feel. And so to be honest, we actually live in a culture that celebrates that. Says, hey, yeah, hey, 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 whatever you feel, do it. Do it. And so the commentary this person has is she takes the culture to the next level. And what she's saying, she says, actually, it's not really fair if that's the level that, when she's being dead serious, that's the weird part about it. If that's the level we hold ourselves to, we should also hold kids to that level. We should also hold kids to that standard. Now, any person that has ever dealt with a kid should tell you how stupid that advice is. You want to know why? Because more often than not, kids don't feel like doing the right thing. Any parent will tell you, if I didn't parent, my kid would never brush their teeth. If I didn't parent, my kids would never eat vegetables. If I didn't parent, my kids would never go to school. 
And so to say, <laughs> because we feel this way, therefore they should as well. It's a really stupid statement, and I couldn't believe that anyone would ever share this thing, yet thousands did. But to them, power be. And I don't mean it intentionally to offend you when I say that. But the truth is, I believe there's actually a great truth in this statement. And my truth is this. I actually think that adults and children should be treated the same way. I just come to a very different conclusion that she does, or he, I don't know who originally wrote it. And my conclusion is this. The reason that we will tell kids to do certain things even when they don't feel like it is because as a parent, you take the higher standard to say, I actually know what's best for them. And so listen to this. To have the mind of Christ is to do the exact same thing. It's to say, I understand no matter what I am feeling right now, I need to appeal to something higher than me. Because perhaps, much like a child, my emotions are lying to me right now. Because perhaps, like a child, although I feel it, this is not what's best for me. And maybe peace won't actually come on the other end of it. And so we appeal to something higher so listen, a life that says, I feel, I think, therefore I do, is actually the epitome of foolishness. Because just because you feel like it doesn't mean it's going to lead you to the place you want to be. Like this last week, um, we were watching a TV show, and I enjoy a good bowl of cereal at night. Um, that's a thing. I just enjoy it. Uh, and so this last week, I went upstairs because we were watching a show um, to get a bowl of cereal. And so for whatever reason, um, I bypassed the cereal because a little voice said to me, hey, you have some ice cream in the freezer. Um, and so for whatever reason, I grabbed the whole tub of ice cream. I didn't go put it in a bowl. I just grabbed the tub. I wasn't going through in a breakup. I wasn't emotional. I just grabbed the tub. And so I took it downstairs, and this ice cream was very, very old. Yet as I took the first bite, it was very, very good. And I don't know if I mentioned it, but it was actually chocolate peanut butter buttercup ice cream. And so it was quite delicious. And so I, I was watching the show, and I was eating this ice cream. And as I was eating this ice cream, I don't know if you guys have ever been there before, but every bite tasted better than the last. And so I was like, like this, this is delicious. And, and, and without even realizing it, slowly the bucket of ice cream was dwindling away. Yet every bite, I just felt better and better. Like, this is delicious. And so something happened. There was a voice of my wife, and she said, what are you doing, you sicko? She said, put down the spoon. You're going to eat the whole thing. And I'm like, and she's like, you're going to feel sick. I'm like, but I feel so good. And so I put, I put down the ice cream. And wouldn't you know it, as soon as I stopped eating, my stomach hurt badly. And my stomach hurt for the rest of the night. But I felt like it. That's what my brain told me to do. But you see, that's why all of us, we know this intrinsically. Although culture says, follow your feelings, follow your heart, we know that the end result will not be what we think it is. Why? Because my emotions lie to me. My mind lies to me. My feelings lie to me. That's why Peter says, don't go with your mind. Go with the mind of Christ. Go with the mind of Christ. N not what do I think about my situation. Not do, how do I see things around me. Not what do I believe. What does Jesus say? What does he say? And so listen, listen, there's two ways to live. We said this in part one. We can be proactive or reactive. And to be reactive is to say, whatever I feel, I just do. I live my life based on emotions. 
But to, pre, to be proactive is so simply to say this, I have a choice. I have a choice. I am not a slave to my feelings. You, you want to know what's so interesting? It is for so many of us when we talk about um, this idea of following yourself, follow your heart, go where you want to go. It's all done under the name of freedom, right? It's because like, well, you'll be free if you do this. You'll be free if you do this. But the truth is, at the end of this, and we all know this to be true, the end result is never freedom. It's sickness. It's death. It's hurt. It's heartbreak. And the reason that we do it is because we felt it. It's because we felt it. And so what we're saying is, no, 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 I'm not going to follow my feelings. I have a choice. I can have the mind of Christ. So listen, if I never believe it, though, I'll never change. And so I need to push back against the lie that culture tells us, because I'm a stranger in the land. And the lie that says, I am who I think I am. I think, therefore, I feel. To have the mind of Christ is to free us. Anyone want to be freed? Anyone want to have some peace in their life? He says, have the mind of Christ. Now, what does that look like specifically? First Peter chapter 3, again, verse 8, he says, be like-minded, have the mind of Christ. What does that mean? Simple. He says, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate, be humble. Now, I love the language of Peter because everything that he says here is so active. He says, be, be, do, do, love, be compassionate. You see, a lot of times when it comes to church world, and maybe you've been around for a long time, maybe just a little time, a lot of times we make this idea of following Jesus like something that just happens to me. Like I say a prayer, and then something rains on me, right? <laughs> it's like, peace, peace, peace. But I, I love what Peter is saying here because Peter is never saying anything passive. So passive is just say, God, give me peace, give me peace. Peter says, hey, let's be active about it. Let's be active. So here's the point. If I want peace, peace must be pursued. Peace must be pursued. Now listen to this. Salvation is the easiest thing that can ever happen. And I don't want anyone to be confused. If you want to be saved, if you want to be made right with Jesus, all you have to do is accept what he's already done. There's no work in that. There's no pursuing. I don't have to pursue God to get him to approve of me. He's already approved of me. It's the easiest thing ever. And what happens when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit will come into your life and the Holy Spirit will begin to change you from the inside out and you won't be the way that you were. You'll be more kind. You'll be more gentle. You'll be more patient. You'll be more loving. But the Spirit of God will never take away your self-autonomy. And so what that means is the Spirit of God will never make me choose what I do. I always have a choice. I always have a choice. And this is where a lot of people get confused. It's like this. I have a gift. I'm pretty hilarious. Um, <laughs> works every time. Um, and so um, I, I'm quick-witted, right? That's the, that's the, 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 the real term. Um, <laughs> quick as I can't figure out the word I'm trying to say. Um, and so what happens, I guess a blessing and a curse. It's a blessing because I can make people laugh. Um, it's a curse because I can ruin your life. Um, <laughs> And so um, I have this thing, like, I don't, I don't know if you guys have, like, group chats in your life, um, but I got a few group chats. Like, I got um, family group chats, friend group chats, family group chats with the 
family you don't want in that specific group chat, things like that, like just a lot of group chats. Um, and, and so one thing that's happened within group chats is it gives me an audience um, that I can get to laugh. And because like in these group chats, these are the people I know the most, I also know their deepest insecurities. And so it's the easiest uh, to make an amazing joke. And so one thing I've found since following Jesus uh, is that uh, these jokes will come <laughs> to my mind and as I type these things out many times, um, I'll hear the Spirit of God, uh, and it says, don't send that. <laughs> don't send that. Don't send that. Don't say that. Don't say that. And I listen most of the time. Sometimes. <laughs> but sometimes, someone say but. But sometimes I click send. And, <laughs> and then the result after is usually apologizing. And I didn't mean it that way, but I kind of did. Um, and, and so it's really interesting because I want us to understand this when Jesus comes into my life and you guys need to understand before Jesus there was no filter so it was just like AK-47 just going off right um, but even with Jesus I still am always in control of my choice whether I listen or not and so that is why Peter uses such proactive language he says be because be. understand this because a lot of us is like, well, if I follow Jesus, Jesus should change me so wholeheartedly that I don't even have the choice to make. I just feel it every time. But the issue with that is then you'd be back to square one, which is being a slave to feelings. But the freedom is in the choice, and the peace is in the choice. And so I just believe there is such a power with choice. Because what this means is that peace is always in my pocket. Meaning, I can always choose it. I can always pull it out. Because for so many of us, we attach our peace to people. Because a lot of us, it's like, man, this means war. How to win the battle within Harrison? The battle isn't within, it's without. My boss is the worst. You have not seen my marriage. Like, my husband, that's the battle. It's funny. I have a theory um, about people. Because I meet a lot of people, and one thing I hear from a lot of people uh, is like the, the saying, like, man, you know what? No matter what job I go to, um, I'm just surrounded by catty girls. It just, it just seems to happen. Like, no matter where I go, everyone always gossips about me. It's just it's a trend. I can't figure it out. No, no, no matter what job I go to, my boss is a jerk. Like, it's so weird. I've never had a job that I like where I had a good boss. Or it's like every relationship I've ever been in, the result is always the same. The girl, the guy, they're just so stupid. I just can't understand it. I have a theory, and it's quite simple. You're the problem. And for most of us, I would submit, actually for all of us, you're the problem. And that's why I say the battle is within. Because the truth is this. If I never have peace with people, I'll never have peace within. There's no version of my life where, like, I have all these enemies, but I'm good. Like, my relationships are destroyed, but I'm good. If you don't have peace with people, you won't have peace within. Now, for so many of us, the reason that we don't have peace with people is because we think that they have the control. They have the power. Well, it's like, Harrison, I want it to get better, but they just hate me. Look, look, look what he says. You see, the language that Peter uses is a language of taking back control. Because whether we know it or not, every single time you attach your peace to someone else, you have given them control that they don't need to have. And so listen, we can say, I could say, um, I, I, I think probably you're the problem. But we'll say you're not the problem. 
It's other people. They just treat you horribly. They gossip about you. They lie about you. They're the problem. I'm, I'm hopeless, right? No. First Peter 3 says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with a blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. Now, I want you to understand this. I think even if you love Jesus, I've yet to meet someone that gets insulted and they feel like giving a compliment back. Maybe you guys met that person. It's like someone just talks so badly about me, but I just kind of wanted to just tell them how much I love them. Like most of the time, and if that's, that's not you, like I'd love, come pray for me. Um, I want your power. But what he's saying when he says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. What he's saying is, like, okay, if you think people treat you bad, that's fine, but you're actually in control of how you respond to them. And so every single time that you're like, man, my boss is an idiot. My boss is the worst. Guess what? Serve him more. Serve her more. Every single time your spouse is so annoying, love them more. Serve them more. Every single time someone insults you, compliment them. It's a power move. You see, we, we look at it away like, I can't do it because then they, I'll just, I'll be so weak. No, 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 you'll have power because you'll be in control. Because peace is in your pocket. Listen, put, write this one down. I need to learn to be unoffendable. I'm, I need to learn to be unoffendable. What that means is no matter what people say about me, people say to me, I will not get offended. We live in a culture of offense, right? Where everyone is so offended about everything. I can't believe you would say amen, not a woman. Like, what is going on? That's a, that's a real thing if you watch that prayer. Um, <laughs> but everyone is so offended. But here's the thing about a culture of offense. It's a powerless culture. Because every single person around you, they control you. My peace is only if everyone doesn't offend me, so on and so forth. But the more that we love, the more that we serve, the more power we take back. And I have this theory about conflict, and I've yet to see it, see it fail. But conflict exists between two people. I need to understand that. Conflict exists between two people. Because for so many of us, like, no, 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 it's one person. Like, they're the problem. I, I want to reconcile. I want it to be better. No, no, no. Conflict exists between two people. What that means, and I've just seen this over and over again, is that you have a choice. And what I've seen over and over again, even if you don't feel like you're in the wrong, even if you feel like they're in the wrong, guess what? You have the choice to go and make things better. And so oftentimes what happens is the reason the conflict builds is because we're waiting for the other person to do something. And all you've done is given them power. Peter's saying, take it back. Go and be reconciled. That's what Jesus says. He actually takes it a step further. He's like, hey, uh, you know church? He's like, if you've got conflict in your life with people, he's like, ah, you don't really need church. Go be reconciled, then come back. Why? Because he wants you to have peace. And, and like, I love singing this song, I fight my battles and all that good stuff, but peace actually comes when we don't have conflict in our lives. And so he says, take control. Be unoffendable. And what I've just seen it, when we apologize, when we say, I'm sorry, how can I make this better? Guess what? I found time and time again, the conflict disappears. That's why he says, do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. Instead, bless people. I don't always choose how people treat me, but I always choose how I respond. I always choose how I respond. Listen, to have the mind of Christ isn't a prayer, it's a choice. 
It's a choice to say, Jesus, help me to respond <laughs> to the invitation that I just gave you. Now, for a lot of us, it's like, man, well, where does emotion come? Like, where does it come from? Like, I thought Jesus changes us, and he does. But what I found over and over again is that oftentimes my emotions follow my obedience. I need to write that down. My emotions follow my obedience. And so a lot of times you might be saying to yourself, um, well, I just, I, I can't feel it. And if I, if I don't feel it, then like it's not authentic. I can't repair this relationship. I can't go talk to my husband because I don't feel it. But what happens and what you'll see, and this is what the Spirit of God does, is it, it, it urges us. And it urges us to choice, not to emotion. But what happens is when we make the right choice, our emotions will catch up inevitably. And really, at the end of the day, what is our motivation? Why do I love people? Why do I repay insult with insult? Why do I repay evil with a blessing? It's because Christ did it first. The reason I forgive is because while I was still in sin, Christ forgave me. It, it doesn't say that Jesus waited till I had my act together. It didn't say that Jesus waited until I had everything all right, until I apologized. No, no, no. It says Christ forgave me while I was in sin, while I wasn't enough. He took the first step. And so we do the same. I love why? Because he first loved me. And so that's how I treat people. And when I do that, peace is the byproduct. And so this pathway that we create is a whole bunch of little choices each and every day. And many times it's choices to go against our very nature. But that's why he says, as he closes, he says in 1 Peter chapter 10, first three, chapter 3, verse 10, he says, whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. They must seek peace and pursue it. I wonder if, if for many of us, the reason we haven't felt peace is because we've been hoping peace has come. We've been seeking it looking for it, but we haven't actually pursued it. It's one thing to want peace. It's another thing to pursue it. And so what I want us to understand is when it comes to peace, there's no magic formula. It's a choice every single day to say, Jesus, those inclinations as I invite you in, help me to respond. Help me to act in love and grace and mercy. There, there's a, a man, um, we now know him as St. Francis uh, of Asai. And he had a, a goal, and his goal was so simple. He said, every single day, my goal is I want to live like Jesus. Specifically, he said, I want to have the mind of Christ each and every day. And so each and every day, what he would do is he would take the steps, he would take the actions in order that he could have the mind of Christ. And many years later, um, someone wrote a prayer about his life in honor of him. And really the prayer is written in a way to show us what he practically would do each and every day. And I want us to read this prayer because I think that when we understand this prayer and more so than the prayer, understand the words, I believe that the other end is peace. So the peace prayer in honor of St. Francis who sought to live with the mind of Christ, it says this. It says, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. In other words, God, help me to actually do something. Help me to bring your peace. Help me to be a peacemaker. And so he says, where there is hatred, let me sow love. 
where there is injury, pardon, where there is doubt, faith, where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light, where there is sadness, joy. None of these situations we may have chosen, none of them we have wanted, but he's praying, let me bring the opposite. Let me create a new pathway. So he says, granted that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive. For it is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it's in dying that we are born to eternal life. You see, life is not found in following how I feel. Life is actually in death in dying to myself and saying, I'm not a slave to my thoughts, my emotion. I'm actually a slave to Christ. And the ultimate irony is to be a slave to Christ is to be free, is to be free. So let's just stand, church. I want to pray this morning as we close. And just for any person in this room, maybe you feel like I want peace. I don't have peace. I want to feel peace. I want the pathway to peace. If that's you this morning, if you want to experience peace, if you want to feel peace, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just encourage you to raise your hand. And I just want to pray a prayer over all of us, over any of us that feel like, man, I want relationships to be stored. I want my mind to be restored. Um, Because I just said it, peace, I don't believe, is a picture. It's just a new pathway that we have to take. And so, God, I pray for every person watching in this room, online, that wants peace. God, I pray that we can take the steps today. I pray that everything that you push us towards, that we respond. We thank you that you give us the choice to respond, Jesus. And I pray that we walk in the way of the light and that we die to ourselves and live for you each and every day. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we clap our hands for Jesus? Hey, thank you so much for listening to that message. We hope that you were encouraged and inspired. Hey, if you want more information, if you've decided to follow Jesus, we encourage you to head over to kingdomchurch.ca right now and connect with us.